0: Well, good evening to each one of you all here tonight. Thank you for that opening, Larry. I appreciated what was said already, and uh, I would echo what you said. I Most of those things that you uh, asked, if we had done or thought about, I had probably not done. But one of the things that I did do is that I did thank the Lord that my wife picked me. <laughs> so... Uh, my goal for this evening um, with this topic is, is twofold. So first of all, I want to uh, draw attention to the wonder of God's creation by looking at the honeybee. And then in the second part, um, pivot to looking at um, some of the applications, that some of the things that we can learn from the honeybee and uh, put to use in our life. So, I would be curious to know how many of you here uh, have honeybees. Is, is there anyone? We have one, sort of? <laughs> okay. So, I had not grown up with uh, honeybees. It was something that uh, it was an interest of mine that was developed. Um, started about two or three years ago. I had... Uh, planted some pumpkins the one year and uh, I noticed as the season went on that some of the pumpkins didn't uh, didn't pollinate and uh, so I, I started thinking about this and I was like well what is a good thing for pollination and that's honeybees so I, I started looking at honeybees and I'm one of, I love to try new things on on the farm and with animals and creation and all of that kind of stuff so the next year I, I got some and uh, have had some ever since that. And uh, it's just really fascinating to watch honeybees and to learn from them. And a lot of the things that I have learned from them have not been from my direct experience with them. I, I've learned it from reading and watching videos and that type of thing, as well as, as watching them some, too. Um, When I think of a honeybee, there's a number of traits that come to mind, and I would be curious to hear from you what you all think of. What are some of the traits of a honeybee that are good traits that that we could use in uh, relating to each other or, or in our everyday lives? I'll just open it up here a little bit. What are some things that you think about when you think of a honeybee? They're industrious community. community yeah just a few more that I've I've uh, noted here they work together they work for the good of the hive and each other the, the sense of community they work without an overseer. Um, while, while the, the, the hive is, has sort of a hierarchy um, with the queen at the top and then every, all the worker bees on, on another level, um, they, they do work without an overseer. They work hard in the winter to prepare. They work hard in the summer to prepare for the winter. They're well-organized. And uh, just some more words here that would describe them. Focus, dedication, teamwork, generosity, prosperity, and fertility. So some facts about the honeybee. So each hive is made up of one queen, and then most of them, most of the, the worker bees... Um, are, are female bees, and then there's the drones, and the drones are the only males, and, and they, are, they don't work at all. They're, they're just there for, um, for when a new queen comes in, and uh, they're there to do their job for that. Um, every hive has a queen which can lay up to 800,000 eggs in her lifespan of three to five years. There's approximately 3,500 to 4,000 bees in a pound. And you can get boxes of bees that you can get sent in the mail. They're just small boxes with uh, several pounds of bees. It takes 550 to 600 worker bees to make a pound of honey. And a hive can have up to 60 to 80,000 bees in one hive. They keep the hive between ninety-three and ninety-five degrees year-round, including winter time. Um, this last winter, when there was um, those really cold days, there was um, even through all of that, they they kept their hives warm. And, and they don't keep the entire hive warm, but they they cluster together and they they surround the queen bee. And they, um, if you open the hive up in the wintertime, you'll, you'll just hear hear these bees buzzing, and uh, they're they're making heat to keep the queen warm. Everything that they do is designed um, to benefit the hive and the queen. A worker bee generally lives for around six weeks in the summer and five to seven months in the fall and winter. So... This time of the year, the queen is laying eggs. and as these uh, larvae hatch, they, they only live for five to six weeks. And then when it comes to the, the fall season of the year, the uh, bees that hatch in that time they'll, they'll last until the next spring. So the, the bees that are the first bees that you see flying around in the springtime are, the, are bees that were hatched the uh, year prior. A worker bee will visit around 100 flowers per trip and will make 10 to 15 trips per day, venturing out as far as several miles to find food. They literally work themselves to death. A queen only leaves the hive on her mating flight or when she decides the hive is no longer sufficient. And then she, she will do what they call uh, swarming. So if the hive becomes too small for the, the bees that are in that hive, um, the, the queen goes on a diet. She's, she loses weight. And uh, then they, they have this, this uh, sense of community. Somehow the queen communicates to everyone else, it's time to go. And so what you'll see is you'll see a huge cluster of bees outside the hive as all the bees get ready to go. And uh, so when it's time to go, they all just up and fly away. And generally, as they're, they are they fly in a group, and they have scouts that are going out, and, and the scouts are looking for a good place for the new hive. And when they find the new place... Um, Somehow they agree upon that this is the best place, and they go and they fly to that hive and um, set up their house there. Um, what happens very often in the springtime is that the the uh, the bees will split the hive in order to um, make room for the other bees that are coming along in the original hive. So what happens... When the queen leaves the hive, um, the eggs and all the larva that are in that hive will stay there, and as they hatch, they they realize that they're without a queen, so one of the first things that they do is they identify several uh, larvae that are are fairly early on in their, in the um, development stage, and they start feeding them a product called royal jelly, which is a Combination of uh, of jelly or of honey and pollen, and as these larvae develop, they they develop differently than all the rest of them because of the food that they're getting. And uh, so, there will generally be about three to five new queens that that come out of that of those larvae that are being fed that special food, and. Uh, when they hatch, they, they fight it out, and there's only one that lives. The rest are killed off, and that's how a new colony is. That's how the, the original colony that um, – so we had the queen. We left with most of the family, and the, the ones that are left there are the, the uh, eggs that she had left there. And so that's how they keep going with that. Honeybees are very tidy. If a worker needs to be cleaned, several other bees will come and clean it when it returns from a foraging trip. And when these bees come in from a foraging trip, if they find food, um, they go into the hive and they do this this little dance. And and it's... I can't really... I'm not going to describe it for you, but uh, they they do this little figure eight thing in in the hive and make certain motions uh, with their body. And and by those motions, the other bees know where to go and and find food and if there was a a good place to find food. And the other bees will know how far and which direction based on that dance that, that that bee does. And that dance is done inside the hive where it's it's, uh, mostly dark. So looking at biblical references to honey, um, a product of the honeybees is is honey. I, I enjoy honey a lot and I'm sure many of you do as well. I try to get my daily serving of that with my breakfast every morning. Um, Numerous times in in the story of the children of Israel, they were promised a land flowing with milk and honey. It was the destination of a people who were fleeing slavery and poverty. And when we think about milk and honey, um, and a land that's just flowing with it. It speaks of a a land of prosperity. Samson uh, took honey from the carcass of the lion and ate it and gave some to his parents. He also had the riddle of the honey and the lion, and uh, he, he presented that riddle to the Philistines And uh, when the Philistines couldn't figure it out, they they went to his wife and they just, they said, help us to figure this out. And so she badgered Samson for a number of days and and finally he told her. And when when, uh, he realized that he, part of the deal was, is that uh, if Samson, if the Philistines figured out the answer to the riddle, he needed to give them 30 sets of garments. And so when the Philistines figured out the answer to the riddle, uh, Samson went down to the Amalekites and slew 30 men and gathered their garments and gave them to the Philistines. The Bible tells us that John the Baptist ate locusts and wild honey. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are as an honeycomb sweet to the soul and health to the bones then looking at some of the uh, lessons for us um, the honeybees they they work for the good of the hive um, so often in today's world uh, and it's not just in the world I, I we we struggle with it with our, ourselves here too, where we everything becomes about me, myself, and I. Um, with the honeybee, everything is about everything is focused on the good of the hive. There, there's there's no I in in teamwork. Nehemiah was a good example of this, um, and and I was not part of the Sunday school class here as you went through Nehemiah. But the story of Nehemiah is a very good example of of how that um, Nehemiah was in the position as a king's... um, He was serving the king in a foreign land, and I'm sure, I would guess he had a very comfortable life. And for him to sacrifice his time and efforts and, and possibly even his, um, possibly even his life by going back to Israel does not make sense at face value. But Nehemiah was, uh, he was looking at um, it as God's work. And so he went back to the land of Israel and and helped to rebuild the temple and everything that he did there was about God's work and about um, rebuilding the wall and and um, helping the people to get organized there and so that was Nehemiah was just a, a good example of that um, as we look at our, our lives and and looking at um, this thing of works. Uh, we do know that um, works without faith will not save us. But uh, turn to James, chapter two. We'll read James two fourteen to seventeen. And speaking of uh, faith and works here. So we see here how that that works are a part, taking care of one another, this, this sense of community, taking care of each other. Um, James tells us how that we need to be looking out for each other. And then... Uh, we think of, as we think of the bees and how that they, they clean each other um, I like to think of that as ex- exhortation and we, we clean each other as well um, we think of iron sharpening iron we um, chip off those rough edges and and just continue to um, uh, help each other develop let's go to Hebrews 3 verses 12 through 19. Take heed brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end while it is said to while it is said today if you will hear his voice Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief as we go throughout life, I think this is important to, um, of course, each of us will answer to God for our, own, for our own life. And we can't blame it on anybody else if we uh, come up short. But I do think that as we uh, work together and we look at ways to help one another, that we, that we exhort one another. Working without an overseer, Um, the Bible talks a lot about the ant, and and I think a lot of the the ant and the the honeybee have similarities. It says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. For those of us who are farmers, we we understand this very well, uh, how that um, if we don't do our work in the summertime, then we're going to end up hungry in the wintertime. And uh, I think we should also take a look at it as, um, you know, we don't know what the future holds. I I do think, though, that... um, I do firmly believe that we should do what we can to especially us on, on the this side of the house that, that we try to get our financial house in order. That uh I think with the uh some of the world events, I, I would be surprised if we would not see hard times in our lifetime. And so I think it's important that we um that we do what we can to to get things in order the honeybee is well organized um, they, they go throughout their day everybody knows what they're supposed to do uh, we had a lot happening here in the last week with uh, church stuff uh, the, the church auction was well thought out and, and organized And uh, it was a pleasant experience for everyone that was involved. And I'd just like to give recognition to uh, John. Um, While you were not able to be there on Saturday, we we definitely knew that you wanted to be there. And um, with your um, help in planning and organizing, it was a, a good event for everyone that was there. As we look at this thing of organization, um, and efficiency. I think sometimes maybe we we look at it and, and think it's you know as we strive for efficiency in our businesses or in our in our work that we do. Some you know, th- there can be the attitude that that we're only doing it to to make our workload lighter and easier. But um, I think there is biblical application um, to being industrious in business and um, doing what we can to. Be more efficient um, let's turn to Exodus 18 13 through 24 talks about the uh, account there of Moses and Jethro um, Moses was being a judge for the people and was burning himself out it says he was, he was there from sun up to sundown. Judging the People's Small Matters, so starting in Exodus 18, verse 13 through 24. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge, so that so that it shall be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then shalt thou be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. So the, the people were coming before Moses, and they were there from morning until till evening. And he wasn't getting around, and Jethro just said, "Look, you got to get a, get other people to help you in this work." And I definitely saw that with the um, with the the organization behind the church auction and some of the the food and everything that was going on. And it was a it was a very good experience for everybody. So with all the, the things that uh, the honeybee uh, is good at, and um, there's good attributes, there, there's one thing that the honeybee has that it's very susceptible to, and that's a, a tiny little, um, call it an insect, or it's pro- probably more appropriately appropriately called a parasite. Uh, it's the varroa mite. And if you look at a honeybee, a honeybee, a honeybee is just very small, but if you if you look at a bee very closely, it's basically the size of like a a uh, of a uh, pencil, like the, the end of a pencil or a, a, a pen. Uh, there there's these little parasites that they they t- attach to the honeybee. And, and they'll get into the larva already and start damaging the larva. And, and what they do is they, they suck the, the – uh, well, I just have something from Wikipedia here that I wrote down. Uh, the mite is a tiny red-brown parasite that lives on the adult and baby bee larva and causes a disease called virosis. Adult mites suck on the body fat that is crucial for the bee's bodily function, such as hormone and energy regulation, immunity, and pesticide detoxification, and leave the bee in a severely weakened state. Open wounds left by the mites become sites for disease and virus infections. The mites are vectors for at least five and possibly up to 18 debilitating bee viruses, including deformed wing virus. In 12 weeks, the number of mites in a hive can multiply by 12. So normally about this time of the year is when you start seeing some of the first mites on the bees. And then as you get into, uh, say, August Oftentimes you have to do a treatment to um, to get rid of them. Um, again, in 12 w- weeks, the, the number of mites in a hive can multiply by 12. Normally, the mites prefer to feed on drone larvae. That's because the drone larvae take about three or four days longer to hatch than the regular worker bee larvae. So the mites can, can actually have another reproductive cycle in those three or four days. That's how quickly they they reproduce. So as normally the mites prefer to feed on drone larva, but when larva production ceases in the late summer or fall, The mites switch to worker bee larva, and the hive population, because of this virus, starts to, um, left untreated, this the hive population starts to um, decrease and leaves you with either a weak hive or a completely collapsed hive. Infected worker bees have a shorter lifespan than uninfected bees, and they tend to be absent from the colony more, which may be attributed to their reduced ability to navigate or regulate their energy in flight. We as humans, we have a sin problem. And as I was looking over some of these problems that the honeybees have because of the mites, I was just reminded of some of the problems that, that we have in our life um, because of sin. And if uh, if we don't deal with it, there's consequences that come with it. Um, the mite, um, you, you are able to treat for these mites. Um, there's a product called oxalic acid that you can... Um, either just put a strip in and it kind of fumigates the hive or you can close the hive up and put in some, um, some oxalic acid and put it on a vaporizer and it just vaporizes and it goes up into the hive and, and kills the mites. So we have, like I said, we have, we have a sin problem and we, we tend to carry it around on ourselves too, um, just like the honeybees they carry these mites around, and the honeybees they have these open wounds um, from the mites uh, we have open wounds left by sin, and uh, it, it it can really become messy for us at times if um, if we don't get help and uh, just like the honeybee, if the mites aren't dealt with um, the, the honeybee will, will die or, at the very least, be in a very weak state. Um, and as I look around me in, in the world that we live in, we, we see so many people that are, um, you know, a weak. Uh, they're, they're weakened and they're just pulled down by sin. And um, that's exactly how it is with this this honeybee. It, it's just leaves them without power, and they just eventually succumb to, to um, these problems. And while that's we, we see it all, all around us out in the world, sometimes it comes into the church as well, and that's, um, that's where the brotherhood needs to come together and exhort one another. We also have a solution to this problem. Um, so in Ephesians five twenty five through seven, it's talking about um, relationships, and um, it's also talking with about the husbands and wives. There, he says, "Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse with the washing of water by the word." That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So our sin problem can be washed away with um, the blood of Christ, and we um, we need to believe. And then in closing, I would like to read Psalm 19 yet. I was just inspired by this this chapter, and I uh, felt it was a, a good chapter to to end with. Um, as we look at creation around us, um, there when you when you observe it, it becomes very clear that there is there is a designer behind all of this creation. There there is absolutely no room for evolution. Um, It's, as we look at creation, creation just proclaims God's greatness. And um, the honeybee is just one, one small part of God's creation. And there's many, many more. And it, it, it all points toward God and gives glory to him. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, "'Showeth his handiwork. "'Day unto day uttereth speech, "'and night unto night showeth knowledge. "'There is no speech nor language "'where their voice is not heard. "'Their line is gone out through all the earth, "'and their words to the end of the world. "'In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, "'which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, "'and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. "'His going forth is from the end of the heaven,' And his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer.